Welcome to the Cruciform Life Church podcast, featuring the weekly sermons from our Sunday gathering. Please visit us online at www.cruciformlifechurch.org for more information. This is Gospel Exalting Qualifications for Eldership Part 4. And yeah, we just have to bear with this for the next months until we're done with the qualification. But I, I realized that that as we were going through the qualifications of elders, this is also a good, these are good topics to talk about in the church because elders are models and we want all these things to happen as well in our lives so that we as a church will be known for these things. Now today, we subtitled this one as Letting Others Find Space in Our Place. Letting Others Find Space in Our Place place because we will be talking about hospitality today. Being hospitable, that is a, a beautiful thing to talk about for so many reasons, so many reasons. I think one way or another, we have lost the art of being hospitable, right? We've lost that art. We lost that Christian art where we can display the gospel in this very unique way. I think hospitality is a unique way of displaying the gospel. In the growing trend towards mega churches today, hospitality oftentimes is no longer required of an elder or a pastor. It is no longer required so many times. In fact, there is a growing distance because of the mega church. We're not anti mega church. We are just saying there are consequences that that has to be guarded. And the the greater the church, the bigger the church, the greater the the challenge of keeping the distance between the pastors and the church and the members, the congregations. Sometimes pastors are even seen as celebrities, and I lament for that so that the congregation cannot easily go near them. And do you know that some pastors will enter the church premise with some sort of a bodyguard? If, if this culture of celebrity pastors, if this culture, culture of celebrity pastors has created a growing distance between the congregation and the church, why would it even be required, or why would hospitality be even required from my pastor, from an elder? I was talking to a group of believers who told me that after 20 years of being a part of a particular church, 20 years, they never knew where their pastor lived. They never knew where their pastor lived. And one of them said they even went to the house of the pastor, but they were not allowed to enter. They were just, you know, someone just talked to them at the gate, at the gate. And sad to say, but, but I am a pastor and I am not proud to say that many pastors 
have done their best to protect their private lives for whatever reasons. To stay away from people. To put that distance between them and the congregation. But think about it. If this is the growing trend, and I am afraid that this is beginning to be accepted within churches, within churches, I am afraid, or I'm thinking, how will these pastors learn hospitality? How are we going to learn hospitality if instead of drawing ourselves to people, we are doing everything to stay away from people? I have some suspicion of why we do that one. It's probably because we don't want people to live near us because when people live near us, we will be vulnerable. We will be exposed. Our sins will be exposed. And the, the, the way to protect ourselves from you know, being exposed is to keep our distance. Keep our distance. I think that's sad. But we as a church believe that hospitality is still one of the qualifications of an elder in the church. In fact, all of us should grow in hospitality. Hospitality in Scripture reveals that, you know, Scripture reveals that it is not a small thing. It is not a small thing that any Christians could neglect and think that he can be considered mature, though inhospitable. Now, mature po tayo, kahit hindi naman po tayo marunong magpakita ng hospitality. We have never hosted people in our homes. We have never allowed people to stay with us. Right at the beginning of the scripture, we see God showing hospitality to a man, to man when he made a garden for him to stay. That's where hospitality started. Theologians are saying that Sorry, and the rest of the book of Genesis teaches that hospitality is a mark of a man of God. Hospitality is a mark of a man of God. Theologians are saying that Lot's hospitality to the angels failed in comparison to the hospitality of Abraham. Yes, Lot paid homage. If you look at Genesis 19 verses 1 to 2, he paid homage to the angels and offered that they would stay with him in their house and presumably wash their feet in Genesis, again, 19 verses 1 to 2, which is, which is how to show hospitality at the time. But if you look at Abraham, you would realize it was off the chart. Genesis chapter 18, verse 2 to 8, let me just quickly read this one. He lifted his eyes and looked. And behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth. And said, O Lord, if you have found favor in, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. Now that's hospitality, but look at how radical this Hospitality that Abraham showed. 
Well, I'll bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh yourself. And after that, you may pass on since you have come to your servant. So they said, do as you have said. And Abraham went quickly to the to the tent and Sarah, to Sarah and said, quick, three sayas of fine flour, knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf tender and good and gave it to a young man who prepared it quickly. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. Now, if we look at the theology of Genesis, it is Moses' way of saying that this Abraham has displayed a mark of a true man of God by his hospitality. The book of Genesis, indeed, already painted a picture. No, parang pinaint na po ng book of Genesis that if one has experienced how God welcomed him, though a sinner, though a sinner, he would also grow in hospitality. Have you ever thought of it? You have been welcomed into the family of God. And not only that we stay there for, for a short period of time, we'll be there forever. So here's the big idea where I would be building throughout this sermon. Experiencing the grace of being welcomed into the family of God should make us gracious to welcome others into ours. If we have experienced it, if we've known the joy of being welcomed into the family of God, if you felt hard, you felt hard and you finally found rest. If you found it when you came to know the Lord Jesus Christ and you understand what it means to rest. It should make us gracious that even if it will just be physical, we do it so that we can usher people into the gospel where they would find true rest. We will first uh, regain the biblical idea of hospitality, that's where we will start in our in building this one up, giving our space or welcoming others to our space. Some of you have never done that, right? It's the most threatening thing to do. Let others stay with you. Then we will look at the heart of Christian hospitality, which is how God came here to create space for sinners to be in his kingdom, intruding our space, to welcome us in his space. That's point number two. After that, we will try to paint how Christian hospitality should be done. That it is not because we have a big house, whatever we have. It is by faith in Jesus Christ. Not by space, but by faith. Third point. And lastly, we will look at the role of the elders if the whole church should be hospitable. Models of faith who give Space, or welcome others to their spaces. Welcoming others to our space. Uh, just allow that to, to settle down a little bit. It's threatening, isn't it? I was talking way, way back to a pastor who said to me, Pastor, now that I 
understand the gospel. And I know that I have to open my home to strangers and even people in the church. He told me, do you, under, do you know that it is the most threatening thing to do for me? For the longest time, I was so private. But Paul said, an overseer must be. It is part of the must. It is part of the necessities. Paul said, an overseer must be. Must be hospitable. We have to regain that. Especially if you, if we would try to look at what hospitality today, one thing that would come probably in our minds is we are a good host during a party. No one feels uncomfortable when we throw a party, everyone were entertained. You are a good, you are hospitable. Or if our children will have their friends for an overnight sleep, in our house, we want to make sure that their stay is enjoyable, and then they would leave our house and say, your parents are very hospitable. Now, for sure, that's part of being hospitable, but that is not what we find in Scripture. There's more to hospitality. Let's go back to Scripture and somehow unearth from the Scripture itself the beauty of hospitality. But before we do that one, have you ever thought of, I want to grow in hospitality? Have you at some point of your life, you know, want to, want to know how to be hospitable? We, we want to be, we want to grow in holiness for sure. We want to be humble. We want to, but seldom that we talk about hospitality. So this is a good thing to talk about today. There are a couple of passages, actually four long, and I mentioned hospitality and then two hospitable, which we find in First Timothy and also in Titus. But the word hospitality, only four passages that talk about hospitality in all of the New Testament. First, so what I'm going to do is just to say a little of these passages. And then after we look on these four passages, we will have a statement, a concluding statement of what we get from the four, and then we'll be building up from there. Romans chapter 12, verse 13, let's start there. Paul said, Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Now, this part of the book of Romans to be different from the culture. Remember Romans 12.1, Paul said, Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. To be different from the culture, Paul is enumerating things that show a genuine spirituality. Or as our translations titled this one, Marks of the True Christian. As the title on this part, I think, verse, starting verse 8 of Romans 13, it is entitled, Marks of the True Christian. And one of the marks of the true Christian is hospitality. One of the marks of a true Christian is hospitality. One of the, you know, one in which we can say that a person has matured is that person has become hospitable. 
And what we have learned about hospitality in this passage is that it is about meeting the needs of the saints. Paul just said, contribute to the needs of the saints. And as if progressive, Paul then said, don't stop with just giving the needs. If there is a need to show hospitality, if that's what they need, if if your money, for example, if the food that you can give is no longer enough to meet what the person really needs, because they need you to open your homes for them, then he said, then seek to show hospitality. In other words, if necessary, welcome them to their to your home. This is a different level of helping, isn't it? A different level of helping. This is allowing others to invade our privacy. This is allowing others to somehow disrupt our comforts. This is not simply that they may have a place to stay or food to eat. This even makes us vulnerable. I was reading the book of Rosaria Butterfly. Uh, Very radical. She brought people into their homes. And think about it. If you bring people to your homes and then you fight with your wife, you have conflicts with your wife, think about how hard that might be. So this is welcoming others to see how we live. Yes, the good things, but also our shortcomings and our sin. This is rocking our comforts. You know, it, it, it seems to say, do not just com- help comfortably, lose your comfort when you help. Be willing to lose your comfort when you help, put your comfort on the line when you help. Radical, isn't it? Let us go to our next passage, Hebrews 13, verse 2. Hebrews 13, verse 2, it reads, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. Now, this is radical. Do not neglect to show hospitality. I hope it says to anyone in the church, but it says do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. For thereby some have entertained angels unawares. And it would be, how do you take this text? Like every time there's a person who needs you to be hospitable, would you think, This might be an angel. Are you an angel? (laughs) I think the heart of the passage is telling us that you are to be ready to help when anyone needs help. It seems to show that that if, if we are expected by God to help, when there is a legitimate need to help, then it is almost a second nature for believers to help anyone, anytime, and anyhow. It is almost, it's supposed to be a second nature. 
our heart should have been flipped over from our eyes, the heart of our eyes looking towards us, it should have been flipped over to look on others. This is the beauty of the gospel. And this is the real freedom. What, what, what imprisoned us, what enslaved us, is actually when our eyes are looking on ourselves. The gospel is so powerful that it turns the eyes of our hearts from ourselves to others. At least, kung nakatingin ka na sa iba at hindi na sa sarili mo, hindi mo na makikita ang di kaya-aya yung ano mo yung mukha mo in the morning. It is the nature of believers to use everything they have to help others. Now, this is ideal. I don't, I'm not saying we're there. I'm not saying I'm there. But we know that this is what the scripture is telling us. And this is, and we are supposed to grow in this area. First Peter chapter 4 verse 9. Peter said, Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Show hospitality to one another. So this is now in the context of the church. Without grumbling. Without grumbling. I like that. It, it reminds us that showing hospitality is a display of Christian liberty. It is a display of Christian liberty. It is freedom because it is not simply adhering to the law, but above the law, which is love. Think about it. If, if hospitality is done because of our understanding of the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit, it is our joy to make sure that the needs of our brothers are taken care of and that they enjoy, that they may enjoy some comfort. Some of our brothers in the church uh, live with us for months during this pandemic. And if I look back, there was not a day, there was not a day that it was a burden. It was a joy. It's surely not natural to me as I naturally flourish in privacy. I naturally flourish in privacy. Leave me with my book. And I'll be burning in fire when you get back. But the joy brought about by the Holy Spirit to display the gospel makes sure and make sure our brothers are well. It, it comes from the Holy Spirit. And it comes, it flows from the love. I remember, I think three of them were with us. And I said a word, and they do not know this. I said a word during our meal that offended Malu. And Malu and I were together for quite some time. That change of pace, I already know. I'm in trouble. I, I, I said a word that offended her. I look at her face and I know that I have offended her. But I was eating with JC and Jomar <laughs> The other one, there were three of them in our house, and I was like, oh my, how am I going to deal with this now? 
the Lord kept me, but that was it, it came into my mind to say, we have conflicts in Malu, and we will be talking right in front of your face, right in front of you, and take this as learning how to argue so husband and wife. It's not easy. Not easy. But nonetheless, there is joy. Love cradles hospitality. Love cradles hospitality so that it is our joy to sacrifice our comforts if only that we can give comfort to others. In, in Scripture, if I look at it, hospitality is almost synonymous as love. Almost synonymous as love. It is not comfortable helping. Lastly, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 10, which is talking about the widows who qualify for the help from the church. It says, Having a good reputation for good works, if she has brought up children and has shown hospitality, he has washed the feet of the saints, has cared for the afflicted, and is, has devoted herself to every good works. Widows should be helped by the church or who should be helped by the church are those who showed hospitality. It seems like hospitality, as we understand in this text, is not just a mark of a genuine Christian, but a mature one. It is a mark of a mature Christian. And with the nature of hospitality, which is not just helping comfortably, but sacrificially, your comfort to help, it is surely a mark of a mature Christian. It is no wonder why elders are required to be hospitable. So think about it. Hospitality is a mark of a mature Christian. Who among us here, one of the most threatening things to think about is how someone lived with us. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Here's our statement. Christian hospitality, I get this from this part, I get from Alexander Stroch. Christian hospitality is a concrete expression of Christian love. So that giving up of our comforts is a joy. If only that we could give others comfort. The thing about, the thing about hospitality is not that, that we don't want our comforts. No, we just want others to be comforted. That hospitality is more than just preparing food and making sure that the sleepover of our children's friends will be enjoyable or more than just Making sure our visitors are well entertained could not be clearer if we look at hospitality in the context of the early church. We see a glimpse of how dependent people were of hospitality, especially missionaries at the time. Strangers, travelers. Jesus, when he was born, no one accepted him. Think about it. They, they need someone to accept them in their houses that no one accepted. And they would have to, Mary would have to deliver Jesus in a manger 
That's how important hospitality at the time. Look at first John, second John 2, verse 10 to 11. Although this is a negative scenario, but we can understand some of the importance of hospitality from this. John instructed the elect lady. He was writing to the elect lady in Second John. In verse 10, it reads, If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, the gospel, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. Now, any, any traveler at the time would not say, hey, so what? No, they would not say that because if you are traveling most of the time, especially if you're not that rich, you are dependent upon someone who would show you hospitality. So strangers, travelers, missionaries used to rely on the hospitality of others who would welcome them to their home so that they might have a place to stay and good meal. Many of them would not have survived without someone showing them hospitality. So here we go. Hospitality in the biblical sense is really accommodating people into our homes. Now, that's hospitality. Let's understand the depth of that. So, to be hospitable then requires one to be willing to temporarily lose not only his privacy, but his comforts to give comfort to some of the brethren, to some of the missionaries, or even to strangers. It is really looking at what the person really needs and make sure those needs are met, even if it means, even if it means our comforts will be disrupted, our normal lives will be disrupted because they will stay with us. Isn't that love? Love is basically making sure that others' needs are met. That's love. Hospitable people will seek to meet the need of others. That's the heart of it. That's the bottom line of it. Hospitable people do not just give dole out. Today we are used with dole out. Right? And dole out is really saying, Oh, at least nakatulong na ako, bahala ka na. It's not making sure that they are really helped. So this only means one's comfort, material things, or maybe even reputation, as they are, as they will be, as we will be vulnerable, or our weaknesses will be seen, are not as important as honoring Christ, nor as important as the lives of other people. That is what hospitality displays, that others are more important than our own comforts. It is no wonder that the writer of the book of Hebrews suggests that it might be a test. You might have been entertaining angels. Because if hospitality calls us to relinquish our comforts at some point, uh, temporarily, 
then it is a clear display if we have truly learned how to love. This is what James said. Pure religion is pure and undefiled before the Father, before the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, to help them in their affliction. This is true religion. And we gloss over these things. We have a way of mellowing these things. Okay, that's in the scripture, but we have never been serious in that. And yet in our reading, for example, if you're reading the book of Zechariah, if you're reading the book of Zephaniah, you would, you would understand that, that God is always saying, forget about your offerings. I want you to show justice, show mercy, and to walk humbly. Scriptures is filled with exhortations that we die to ourselves and tangibly help others. Alexander Strauch wrote, Giving oneself to the care of God's people means sharing one's life and home with others. An open home is a sign of an open heart and a loving, sacrificial, serving spirit. A lack of hospitality is a sure sign of selfish, lifeless, loveless Christianity. Ouch. All right, ouch. If I bring people to the house, what about my children? If I bring to the people to the house, am I putting my family in danger? If I bring people to the house, you know, we only have little and, and we, have, we are to share it to them. We, we have a lot of thoughts and yet we could not deny from Scripture that we are called to be hospitable. So if we can still, if we can't, or if we still can't open our homes to those who need a place to stay, then it is most likely that we are living to protect our comforts. And it calls us to ask ourselves, why am I living? Let's go to the core of our being. Let's assess the core of our being, the, the reason for our existence. Why are we living? And let me throw in another question. Are we still here to be more comfortable? Are we doing everything so we can be more comfortable and then protect it with all our might so we would never leave our doors open? Is the extent of our help that we can give is only as far as our doorstep, but not inside our houses? Is the help that we can extend only as so far as our comforts are not disrupted, or are we willing to give some of our comforts if only that we can comfort others? Today, hospitality could mean making sure that one's need is really addressed and not simply, again, just doling out a little amount if you could say we have help. If we only, if we could only say we have help. The heart of hospitality, the heart of hospitality is when we want to really meet the need of a person. So that even if it means opening our homes, which is 
almost like a metaphor of giving up our comforts, then we do it. Then we do it. So if hospitality puts our lives at stake, and really, I'm with you, why should we do it? Now, I'm not a person who wants hospitality. Trust me, I'm just the same as yours. Well, we know that love begets love. John, the apostle of love, said by this, we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Love begets love. We show hospitality because we have been shown radical hospitality. This brings us to our second point. Intruding our space to welcome us in his space. This is Jesus talking about how this is a radical hospitality because he has to pay he has to pay for our sins if only that he can welcome us into his home. The hospitality shown by God to Adam did not cost the life of his son. Think about that. Yes, it was a beautiful place. God was so gracious. He created a garden on one side and put Adam in there. But it just, it did not cost the life of Jesus. When God welcomed Adam in the garden, he was innocent. However, after the fall, if God would welcome anyone into his family, it will only be through Jesus Christ. In other words, Jesus has to come to our space, the earth, so that he might make room for us in heaven. He has to come to our space so that he can make a place for us in heaven. Look at John chapter 14, verses 1 to 6. Let not your hearts be troubled. So we know that the context, Jesus was preparing the disciples because he will now go to the cross. And this is what troubles the disciples. Let not, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? Remember that he does not go somewhere else but the cross. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we say, how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, this passage is not telling us that Jesus is now supervising a construction in heaven to make sure that all of us have room in heaven. And the construction has not been done yet. That's why he has not returned. If he has constructed our mansions in heaven already, then that would be the time of his return. That is not what the passage is saying. He will prepare a room for sinners in the Father's room by going to the cross and paying for our sins. And after he will accomplish the very reason that he came for, atoning for our sins, paying for our sins, 
then his disciples can go to the Father by the merits of Christ. No one come to the Father except through Jesus and what he has done in the cross of Calvary. For us to be welcomed by the Father, Jesus has to become our substitute. He has to be perfect where, he, where we failed. And he has to perfectly pay our failures. Have you ever thought that, that the hospitality of God was so costly? It was so costly. And as for, for us Gentiles, Paul said it, can, it cannot be more beautiful. The picture, Paul said in Ephesians 2 verse 12 to 13, Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, Strangers to the covenant of promise. You do not even know that there was a promise made by God. Having no hope and without God in the world. In Tagalog, palaboy-laboy ka. And you do not have a, a home to go. Isipin mo po yung palaboy. That's exactly who you are. Palaboy lang. Patapon yung buhay. Walang direction. But verse 13 is the game changer. But now, in Christ Jesus, you were once, you once were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And he concluded this section of his letter to the Ephesians, saying in verse 19 of chapter 2, So then, you are no longer strangers, hindi ka na palaboy, and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with saints and members of the household of God. I don't know with you, if you think about it, God did not just welcome us who were far from Him for a while, but actually made us a part of His family. And the crazy thing about it, He did it through the blood of His Son. We would never become hospitable if we do not have a deep understanding of how much was the hospitality that God has shown us cost him. We would never have the heart for the ones who are homeless if we would never realize that we were so lost and if not of Christ, we would remain homeless. We would never have the heart for the undeserving if we would never realize how undeserving we were when Christ died for us. We would never be generous if we would not understand how Jesus, who was rich, became poor, that we might become rich. We would never sacrifice our comforts if we would not understand how he, who is equal with God, humbled himself and became a slave even to the point of death, even death on the cross. We would never die to ourselves if we do not understand that Jesus died, that we might be comforted. We would never welcome strangers into our homes if we do not understand that Jesus did not just welcome us, but he looked for us. He sought us. That's why we're found. Before we talk about showing hospitality, we need to take time to understand the hospitality that was shown to us by the Father through his Son, Jesus Christ. 
We need to meditate on this until we realize how humbling it is that we were insignificant rebels whom God brought to his home at the expense of his son. We have to be humbled like David and come to the point where we also say, when I consider your heavens, the moon and the stars, what is mine that you are mindful of him? In fact, what is man that you died for him? And I want to invite you to be perplexed, to be confused, to throw in a lot of your questions, finding yourself asking, why would God care to even look for me? We should be brought to the point, what I'm saying is that the gospel should bring us to the point that we should find God so big so that we are, so that while we are safe in his arms, we rejoice on the greatness of God before or more than anything else. That's why we don't put ourselves at the center of our salvation. That's why we don't just rejoice. Paul is very clear. Don't just rejoice that you are saved. It is for the praise of his glory. If God will not be big in our lives and we become small because of his goodness towards us, we will continue to live for our own. We cannot live for God. We cannot be hospitable. The difference of Christian hospitality is we do it as our worship to God who first showed us hospitality. I, I understand that, that we are busy with the affairs of life. No, hanap buhay. Hanap ng hanap, wala pa rin buhay. hanap buhay. And sometimes you feel like there are more things to do than time to do them. And to add to that, social media has stolen most of our time. Guard it. If we do not take time to meditate on the cost that God paid, what God paid to bring us home, our lives will always be big and God will always be small. If you don't take time. And if this is our spiritual state, God is small and we are big. This is the essence of a miserable life. This is exactly why Jesus came to flip this one over so that God will be big and we are small. Because that is our place of the equation. If you change that place, if you change the equation, and you God, being God, and God is your puppet. It's a miserable life. So if we do not intentionally allot a time, I want to invite you to intentionally allot a time to just sit down and ponder and meditate on the goodness of God. I want to invite you to do that, that God will be big over your life. Who is big in your life? 
who is big in our lives. He has to be big. If not, we will never become hospitable. Let's go to our third point. Because of the radical hospitality that we receive from the Lord, we show hospitality primarily to show Christ to others. Not by space, but by faith. What I mean by that is that it is not primarily about what we have as it is about obedience to Christ. It is about reflecting Christ. It is not setting our eyes on what we have. It is setting our eyes on Christ. Matthew 25, 31-40 is about helping the servants of God, particularly the disciples turned apostles. As a church, if we understand Matthew 25, 31-40, we are to be there to those who are serving the Lord. But the principle applies to other people that we help. Verse 31. Let me just read this parable quickly. When the Son of Man come in his, comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Behold him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. So this is judgment day. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those who on his to those on his right, "Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food; I was thirsty, and you gave me drink; I was a stranger, and you welcomed me; I was naked, and you clothed me; I was sick, and you visited me; I was in prison." And you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you drink? This is this is the only time I've seen you. And when did we see you stranger and welcomed you or naked and clothed you? And when did you see when did you when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king answered will answer to them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers. So that's the context. It's really for the servants of God. It's really for the apostles. You did it to me. By the way, verses 41 to 46 is the reverse. That's for the wicked. We don't have to go there. It's enough to look at this one and realize that a genuine love for those who are needy displayed in how much we care for them, is a worship to Christ. It is a worship to Christ. If you notice, the parable is speaking about the judgment day where Jesus would separate the righteous and the unrighteous. And like the wicked, in verses 41 to 46, the righteous did not see the physical Jesus. When did we see you hungry? When did we see you weak? They were doing these things to people, in this case, the servants of God. In other words, they had a genuine love for people. They had a genuine care for those who are needy. 
And Jesus took it as they were doing these things to him. I was angry and you give me food. I was thirsty and you give me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And as if the disciples would not get it, Jesus would say, truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. So while we may not see Jesus, if you see Jesus today, physically, it means you're in heaven. We can do things for him. We can do things for Christ by genuinely caring for others that we seek to address their needs. And with regards to our subject matter today, to the point of opening our homes for them. The key to showing hospitality is to do it for Christ. To do it for Christ. We should be living for Christ anyway, isn't it? This is the essence of acknowledging Christ not only as Savior, but Lord. If we're saying that Christ is Lord, then everything we do is for Him. Paul is clear when he said in Colossians 1.18, In Him, He might be preeminent. Jesus might be preeminent. For this reason, for example, wives will submit to their husbands as to the Lord. Husbands will live, love their wives as Christ loves the church. Fathers will train their children in the instruction of the Lord because they were commanded by Christ. Children should obey their parents like obeying to Christ. This is the essence of Christianity. We do everything for Christ and we do hospitality because Christ has commanded us. I know there's danger. I know that we are putting ourselves in the danger of being abused. I know that there is a danger when we get home, you lost everything in your house. There is a danger. But simply because there is a danger, does it mean we don't do it? How will we know that we are showing hospitality for Christ? I like how Jesus said this in this parable. The implication that they did not see Christ physically is that they were doing this out of genuine love for the servants of God. What the love of Christ makes and accomplishes is to make us as loving people. In this way, we are truly reflecting the love of Christ to others. We are truly reflecting the radical hospitality of God. It's love. I found myself this week meditating on the love of God. And my mind was wrestling. My mind was wrestling on why many times we cannot believe that God is still for us when we sin against Him. Right? When we sin against Him, we could not really believe in our hearts that it has not changed. God is still for you. Not a bit of change. 
Not a bit of change. He will continue to be for you if you are in Jesus. Yet as a father, or anyone who truly loves someone, I know that I am capable. I know that you are capable of loving your children even though they sinned and failed. For the fathers here, when your children sin, have you, is as your love towards them changed and say, I'm no longer committed to bring you to life? No, it would not change a bit. Then I realized that nothing indeed has changed. And I have to accept it because sometimes we could not accept love. We want to earn love. But we are having a hard time accepting love. We want to do good works because we feel good when we earn that love. But that's not what scripture, that's not what Christianity is. I realized that nothing indeed has changed as far as God's love for me. His concern for me, even when I fail, because love is higher than the law. It is higher than the law. The law counts. Love doesn't. It does not depend upon the beloved's performance. When we genuinely love them, we truly care regardless of the ones we love. Relationship. Is two ways. Love is one way. If you argue with me, let's talk after. But relationship is two way, yeah. It takes two to tango. That's why if we want if we will have a relationship with God, it cannot be that God loves us and we don't. If there's a relationship, we both love one another. But love is one way. This is the kind of love that Christ has showed us and taught us. This should be the love that flows from us. And hospitality embodies this love. We show hospitality not because we trust this person, not because this person has a proven track record. Sometimes, yes, it's good, but there are times we are called to show hospitality even if we do not know the person because it says they're strangers. Hospitality is selfless. It is sacrificial. It is beneficial for others. It does not depend on who receives our hospitality. That is why it is about becoming hospitable. Hospitality is a radical display of the gospel. What people could not accept and are having a hard time accepting is genuine love. Do you know that? They were always suspicious. If you love them, they would always say, there's a catch. What do you want? What does this person want? They could not accept a love that is free. And that is why if we are able to freely love, which is what the gospel is all about, then we are able to display the gospel to others. It is no wonder that Christians 
in the early church used to capitalize on this need of strangers, travelers, or anyone who does not have a home to stay as a way of ushering them to the gospel. I think about it. Don't we capitalize this? It's it's looking on to Jesus. Where do we find bread for these to eat? Answer, the disciples said, let them go away, for it's already night. But Jesus said, no, I have compassion on them. Feed them. Lastly, discipleship is always the way to make things happen in the church. Discipleship relies heavily on models. And this is the role of the elders, to model hospitality. This brings us to our fourth point, models of faith who welcome others to their spaces. Models of faith who welcome others to their spaces. An overseer must be hospitable. And applying First Peter chapter 5, verse 3, that pointed that elders are examples to the flock, elders should be an example of hospitality if the rest of the church should be hospitable. Yes, elders, yes. We can do what we can do, but if situation requires, we have to offer our homes. We have to offer our homes. But take note, if situation requires, okay? It is not like we just want to stay in someone's home. You knock at their door and say, Pastor, I want to stay in your home. You're supposed to be hospitable. I'm not Senior Aguila, who move you all into the mountains, even though you have your own homes. Many times we want to stay on someone's home because we just don't want to stay on our home. Tawag don gala. real need. And ayaw mo lang mag-grow sa bahay nyo dahil naiinis ka sa mga kasama mo. And kung anak ka naman po, tas nainis ka sa nanay mo, tas pumunta ka sa bahay namin kasi I have to be hospitable, ang tawag po doon, naglayas ka. Umuwi ko kayo sa bahay nyo. What we are talking about here is genuine need for a temporary place to stay. We, of course, would make sure that it is a real need. If there is a legit need, and if there is a legit need after applying wisdom, after scrutinizing, and the person really needs you to provide home, a place to stay, food to eat, maybe even clothes to wear, then we should be quick to open our home. An elder should be setting these examples because I trust that the elders have the deep understanding of the hospitality of God so that they should be the ones who have deep commitment to hospitality. And see, the beauty of this is that 
What would seem scary? I know as you are listening, there's a scary thing to do here. But as we look at our elders, and then we realize there's a beautiful picture of the gospel painted. Then I hope that it would, it would open our hearts. It would convince us. It would persuade us that, yes, there might be risk. But the beauty that it paints is, makes it worth it. Makes it worth it to open our homes because of the beauty that it paints. If someone would come and say, I wouldn't have known Jesus if not of the hospitality of this brother. I did not have a hard time understanding what the gospel is because the gospel was displayed to me. Aside from being taught to me, it was displayed to me every day. Then I hope it will, it will conquer our reluctance and our hesitation and, make, and, and realize that I have before me a wonderful opportunity to also be used by God as he displays the gospel of Jesus Christ. then that is the way for the whole church to be hospitable. And really, I'm praying, even for my own self, that we are not just studying this one because this is supposed to be what we will talk today. But deep in our hearts, we are saying, count me out. And that we are not really serious to becoming hospitable. I hope we're not wasting our time. I hope I'm not wasting my time. I hope we're saying, this is hard, but I look on Christ. He first let me experience hospitality. And it cost his life. I know this is also costly. But doing it for Christ makes it worthwhile. This painted the crucial role of the elders to model hospitality. In a year's time, there are only a few months that we do not have people stay with us. Only a few months. In this past two weeks, we have one of Malu's brothers with us. And he has three brothers who are seamen. And it's either they're going to board the ship, they will be with us for one month. And then when they, you know, coming from the ship, they will stay with us for a few weeks. And there were three of them, like a cycle in a year. Cycle. We will, we will just be given two months, maybe one month, and then the other will come. And he would go. Then after two weeks, the other will come. That, that's our life. And if there's one testimony that, that they all said is that, they, they admired how we do things in the family. And they said, in fact, that we are trying to do it in our own families. But I told them, the power is not in me, nor in the things you do. You need to have Christ first for that to be effective. One thing I realized is the impact of hospitality. It's just different. Just different. So I want to encourage you. Open your homes. For those of us who can. But please, if you are a woman and you have 
only one room. And you said, Pastor, that I have to welcome someone. And I found a legit person. And I let him stay in my house. Him. We're not saying that. We apply all wisdom. But please open your homes. If there is a legit need, ask the question, naglayas ka ba? Baka gusto mo lang gumala. You know? Gusto mo lang magbakasyon. Nakiki-Netflix ka lang. No? It has to be a legit need. And if it is a legit need, open your homes. Share the gospel. The elders should lead the way for the church to reflect the hospitality of God in welcoming us into his family through their hospitality. An aspiring elder should learn how to welcome others into his home and be willing to lose his comforts to give others comfort. Here's how I'll close this. We give comfort by losing ours. This is radical hospitality. We give comfort not by protecting ours. We give comfort by losing ours. This is what we find in Scripture. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Cruciform Life Church Podcast. Check out more gospel-centered messages at www.cruciformlifechurch.org or subscribe to this podcast at Spotify.